This is the broadcast voice of Marshall University, WMUL-FM, Huntington, West Virginia. And now, News Center 88 at 5, the area source for the most complete news coverage from across the campus of Marshall University and the Huntington Tri-State area. And now, the News Center 88 team. Good evening, everyone. For this Monday, April 19th, 2021, I'm Bella Robinson. And I'm David Atkins. Coming up this evening on News Center 88, Retail Union Once Failed. Amazon unionization vote thrown out. On your only daily source for Marshall Broadcast News, Bradley Wells will be in the end with the Metro Huntington weather forecast, and Andrew Rogers will be in with the FM 88 Sports Report. The current temperature outside is a sunny... The sun is 54 degrees and on to our top story. New Delhi has imposed a week-long lockdown to prevent the collapse of the Indian capital's health system amid an explosive surge in coronavirus cases. Authorities said today that hospitals have been pushed to their limit. In scenes familiar from surges everywhere, ambulances catapulted from one hospital to another, trying to find an empty bed over the weekend while patients lined up outside. Ambulances also idled outside of the crematoriums. In an effort to combat crisis, India announced that it would soon expand its vaccination campaign to all adults. Just months after India thought it had seen the worst of the pandemic, an expert said the virus is now spreading at a rate faster than any other time. Police say an Albanian man with a knife has wounded five people at a mosque in the capital. A police statement today said that Rudolf Nikoli, 34, entered the Dine Hoxha Mosque in, in downtown Tirana at about 2.30 p.m. Police said they reacted immediately and took him into custody. The five wounded men, who ranged in age from 22 to 35, were taken to a hospital. Police said their, condi their conditions were not life-threatening. Police have not disclosed a motive for the attack. Police and prosecutors are investigating the case. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu is pushing for a new law that would allow direct elections of the nation's leader. The proposal was floated by a political ally today and seeks to break the country's two-year pro protracted political deadlock. The legislation could guarantee another term after he and his religious and nationalist allies failed to secure a parliamentary majority in the March 23rd elections. It would also leave him in office throughout what is expected to be a lengthy corruption trial. The longtime leader's opponents have decreed the, mo the move. It is unclear whether the proposal has enough support in Parliament to pass into law. The retail union that failed to organize Amazon workers at a Bessemer, Alabama warehouse wants the results of a recent vote to be thrown out, saying that the company illegally interfered with the process. The retail Wholesale and Department Store Union said in a filing that Amazon threatened workers with layoffs and even the closing of the warehouse if they unionized. Many of the other allegations revolve around a mailbox that Amazon installed in the parking lot of the warehouse, which the union said created the false appearance that Amazon was conducting the election. Amazon said it did not threaten layoffs and said the mailbox was installed to make it easier for employees to vote and that the only the U.S. Postal Service had access to it. 
A former employee who fatally shot eight people at a FedEx facility in Indianapolis never appeared before a judge before a hearing under Indiana's, quote, red flag, unquote, law. Marion County Prosecutor Ryan Mears said today that authorities believed that they had done what they needed to by seizing the pump-action shotgun from Brandon Scott Hole in March 2020. They responded to the home after his mother called police to say her son might commit, quote, suicide by cop, unquote. Mears said if they had invoked the red flag law and lost, they would have had to return the gun to Hole and, quote, that's not something we were willing to do, unquote. Coming up, an Ohio woman has been shot at a memorial for a previous shooting. That and more news from across the Tri-State when News Center 88 returns right after this. Does showing up for work at a ballpark or an arena sound good to you? A Marshall University sports journalism degree can get you there. Sports journalism in Marshall is important. It's serious and it's big business. Sports media and communications careers are some of the most competitive and marketable worldwide in a multi-billion dollar industry. We'll prepare you to think critically, report accurately, and artfully tell the stories on and off the field or court. If this sounds like you, the Marshall School of Journalism is ready and eager to start your journey. Learn more at marshall.edu sojmc. Does searching for good music on the radio feel like a wild goose chase? Hey, goose! Hey, come back here! Don't you get away from me! Aha! Gotcha! Ow! Well, your chase is over. Because throughout the week, WMUL plays many genres of music. From hip-hop to jazz to many flavors of alternative, WMUL has just what you're looking for. So don't be like this guy. Stop it, goose! Tune in to 88.1 WMUL, the cutting edge. Welcome back to News Center 88, voted best newscast in the state of West Virginia by the Associated Press. I'm Bella Robinson. And I'm David Atkins. West Virginia's coronavirus vaccination drive is slowing down as fewer people come forward to get shots. Republican Governor Jim Justice bemoaned a, quote, incredibly low, unquote, vaccine administration rate of 85 percent on Friday. He said many other states had overtaken West Virginia after a promising start early in the year. State data shows that 38.1% of the state's 1.78 million residents have received at least one vaccine dose. Nearly 27% are fully inoculated against the virus that has killed 2,777 people so far in West Virginia. Two months ago, Demand for vaccines outstripped supply, and justice was pleading to the federal government for more doses. Authorities in Ohio say a drive-by shooting at Memorial Vigil for an earlier homicide victim killed a passing motorist and wounded five people in the crowd, including a 12-year-old child. Columbus detectives said a small group had gathered at 7 p.m. Saturday in the Truro Township's lot southeast of the city to mark one year since another person was killed at the same location. At about 7.30 p.m. Saturday, police said, a dark-colored sports utility vehicle drove past and someone opened fire, hitting five people. Police say all in the crowd had non-life-threatening injuries, but that a woman driving past was struck in the head and pronounced dead at the scene. A police officer in Kentucky was seen on video repeatedly punching a protester in the head while the man was face down on the ground during a protest. Several Lewis Louisville Metro Police officers were seen in a Facebook video of 29-year-old 
Denorver D. Garrett being arrested yesterday afternoon. In the video, an officer attempting to handcuff Garrett tells him to stop moving several times. Officer then forced Garrett to the ground. The initial officer is seen punching him multiple times. Garrett was charged with disorderly conduct and resisting arrest. Police Chief Erica Shields says the incident is under investigation. West Virginia Governor Jim Justice has signed a bill to introduce more stringent requirements to needle exchange programs that critics say will make it harder to get clean needles amid a spike in HIV cases in the state. Justice signed the bill into law Thursday. The legislation requires operators to offer an array of health re outreach services. Supporters say it will help those addicted to opioids get connected to health care to fight addiction. The new rules take effect amid one of the nation's highest spikes in HIV cases related to intravenous drug use. Critics urge justice to veto the bill, saying it would wipe out existing exchange programs and result in more lives lost. The Supreme Court has rejected an appeal from a Kentucky man whose pickup truck was seized at the Mexican border and held by the federal government for more than two years. The justices did not comment today while leaving in place a lower court ruling against Gerardo Serrano. He was asking the court to force the government to hold a prompt hearing when it takes people's property under forfeiture laws. Those laws allow the government to seize property without ever having to prove it was used for illicit purposes. Serrano was crossing the border at Eagle Pass, Texas, on his way to visit his relatives in 2015 when federal border agents searched and then took possession of his Ford F-250 pickup. Coming up next, closing arguments being in Derek Chauvin's trial. That and more news from around the nation when News Center 88 returns. Stay with us. More than 100 million wild animals are killed each year illegally. Poaching is a major threat to our country's wildlife. I'm Tom Barry. I'm an actor with a desire to preserve living space for wildlife. The Humane Society Wildlife Land Trust does just that works with private landowners to protect wildlife to preserve natural habitats. To learn more or to work with the Humane Society Wildlife Land Trust, call 800-729-SAVE. That's 800-729-SAVE or visit wildlifelandtrust.org. Thank you. I was leaving an exercise class. All of a sudden, the pain started. My entire chest. Shortness of breath. Very fatigued. Nauseated. Thought that it was nothing much, maybe just stress. You're having a heart attack. I'm healthy, I'm young. There's no way it could be my heart, no way. Heart disease doesn't discriminate. Listen to your body, go get checked. Heart disease is the number one killer in women. And this is something that we can fight. Visit GoRedForWomen.org to learn a woman's risk for heart disease. Welcome back to News Center 88, voted best news program in the National Broadcasting Society. I'm Bella Robinson. And I'm David Atkins. Police say a man who drove through a Detroit crime scene was fatally shot by officers following a pursuit and gun battle. The shooting early this morning of the 27-year-old man was caught on police video. More than a dozen shots appeared to have been fired by the man and officers. The earlier shooting occurred at 10.50 p.m. yesterday and resulted in five people being shot and another dead from a car crash. 
police were investigating that the earlier shooting when the man drove by in an SUV and fired a shot that struck a police vehicle. Police pursued the SUV to the city's east side where the man was shot after running from the vehicle. His name wasn't immediately released. An insurance company for the city of Cedar Rapids will pay $8 million to a black motorist who was paralyzed after a white police officer shot him during a 2016 traffic stop. The payout will settle a long-running lawsuit brought by Jerime Mitchell over a shooting that had exposed tensions between black residents and authorities in Iowa's second largest city. Cedar Rapids had spent hundreds of thousand dollars in legal fees defending against the lawsuit and arguing that Officer Lucas Jones acted lawfully in shooting Mitchell in 2016. The resolution avoids a trial that had been scheduled to begin tomorrow as the nation awaits a verdict in the trial of a Minneapolis police officer charged with killing George Floyd. A prosecutor says Derek Chauvin, quote, had to know, unquote, that he was squeezing the life out of George Floyd as the black man cried out over and over that he couldn't breathe. Closing arguments began at Chauvin's murder trial, with the prosecution hoping to convince the jury that Chauvin squeezed the life from George Floyd as he and two other officers pinned him to the street for 9 minutes, 29 seconds, outside a corner market. Chauvin removed his COVID-19 mask in front of the jury for one of the very few times during the trial as his lawyer, Eric Nelson, reminded jurors that Chauvin is presumed innocent and saying the state did not prove its case beyond a reasonable doubt. Prosecutors say Chauvin's actions were reckless, unreasonable, and warrant conviction. Live music has returned to the Jewel City in celebration of the city of Huntington's 150th birthday. The Martial Artist Series brought a live music performance from Mountain Stage to Jones C. Edwards Stadium on Friday. The community was entertained by four acts, including the local indie music group, Ona. If you know the words, sing along. If you don't, sing louder. Set to air on over 800 radio stations worldwide this fall, NPR's Mountain Stage recorded a live two-hour musical performance on Marshall's campus at the Jones C. Edwards Stadium. Mayor Steve Williams, a former Marshall football team member, was in attendance. One thing we want to make sure is always understood, that the heartbeat of Huntington is Marshall University. Clearly is Marshall University. Larry Gross, host of Mountain Stage, says it is exciting to finally be able to perform and record live again. And we have not done a show in front of a live audience for 14 months, and boy, is it good to be back. Gross says this is the first time they have ever performed on a football field. And we are so proud to be part of the celebration of the 150th anniversary of the great city of Huntington, West Virginia. The concert was the final event of the 84th season of the Martial Artists Series, and the city of Huntington has multiple events planned throughout the year to mark the celebration of its 150th birthday, including an exhibit at the Huntington Museum of Art coming this fall focusing on the city's milestone. The city of Huntington will continue to support the arts with many summer events underway soon. Coronavirus relief for Native American tribes. Your daily political update when New Center 88 returns right after this.
the best news program in the nation as honored by the National Broadcasting Society. More than 130 live martial sporting events every year. One of the top college radio stations in the nation. 50 years of broadcasting excellence. 88.1 WMUL-FM. Welcome back to News Center 88. I'm Bella Robinson. And I'm David Atkins. President Joe Biden faces a challenge as he convenes a virtual climate summit later this week. He's expected to present a non-binding but symbolic goal for reducing greenhouse gas emissions that will affect climate change efforts in the U.S. and the world. Biden's emissions target, expected at a virtual climate summit on Thursday, is eagerly awaited by all sides of the climate debate and will signal how aggressively he wants to move on climate change. Republicans complain about job-killing government overreach, while some on the left worry Biden has not gone far enough to address a profound threat to the planet. Dayton Mayor Nan Whaley says she will try to unseat Ohio's Republican governor after her effort to work with him on gun reforms in the aftermath of a mass shooting in her city stalled. It is the second time the 45-year-old Democrat will try to make Ohio history by becoming the first female major party governor nominee. Her decision had been expected after she announced in early January that she would not seek a third term as mayor. She also considered a run next year for the U.S. Senate seat coming open in Ohio. Whaley has criticized GOP Governor Mike DeWine for signing gun lobby-backed legislation this year after gun reform efforts failed in the state legislature. Foxconn Technology Group has reached a new deal with reduced tax breaks for its scaled-back manufacturing facility in southeast Wisconsin. Governor Tony Evers and the world's largest electronics manufacturer announced the new deal today. Details of the new agreement were not immediately released. A person with knowledge of the new contract, but who has not been authorized to speak publicly about the deal, said today that it will reduce the potential tax breaks by billions of dollars, while still having potential tax breaks worth more than $10 million for the company. It was scheduled to be approved tomorrow at a meeting of the Wisconsin Economic Development Corporation. The original deal will near, with nearly $4 billion in state and local tax incentives was struck down in 2017 by then-Governor Scott Walker. The U.S. Supreme Court will hear oral arguments in a case that will determine who is eligible to receive more than $530 million in federal virus relief funding set aside for tribes more than a year ago. More than a dozen Native American tribes sued the U.S. Treasury Department to keep the money out of the hands of Alaska Native corporations, which provide services to Alaska Natives but do not have a government to provide services to Alaska Natives um, in, a, in a relationship with the United States. The question raised in, the, in this case set for oral arguments today is whether the corporations are tribes for purposes of the coronavirus Aid Relief and Economic Security Act, which defines tribes under a 1975 law meant to strengthen their abilities to govern themselves. The case has practical impacts. Native Americans have been disproportionately sickened and killed by the pandemic. That is despite extreme precautions that included curfews, roadblocks, universal testing, and business closures. 
Native Americans have also historically had limited financial resources. About $530 million of the $8 billion set aside for tribes has not been distributed. The Supreme Court says it will not hear a case out of Pennsylvania related to the 2020 election, a case that has lingered while similar election challenges had already been rejected by the justices. The high court directed a lower court to dismiss the case as moot. The justices had in February, after President Joe Biden's inauguration, rejected a handful of cases related to the 2020 election. In the case the court rejected today, however, the court had called for additional briefing that was not complete until the end of March. The case involved a federal court challenge to a Pennsylvania Supreme Court decision requiring election officials to receive and count mail-in ballots that arrived up to three days after the election. And coming up, Bradley Wells will have a complete look at your Metro Huntington weather forecast and Andrew Rogers will be in with the FM 88 Sports Report. Stay with us. Hi, I'm Mia Hamm. As a professional soccer player, I know how rewarding sports can be and how quickly injuries happen. So I've teamed up with the American Association of Orthodontists to ask athletes to play it safe. With my years of training, I know what it takes to become an expert, and orthodontists do too. They're the experts who help people obtain healthy, beautiful smiles. Wear mouth guards, face masks, and helmets to prevent injuries. Keep smiling and visit braces.org. The worldwide leader in Marshall University sports coverage. Welcome back to Raleigh, North Carolina, here high atop Carter Finley Stadium. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome inside Memorial Coliseum in Lexington, Kentucky. The Thundering Herd will be taking on the number 22 team in the country here in the fifth oldest stadium in college football, Nippert Stadium. Inside Value City Arena at Jerome Schottenstein Center. The Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network. Welcome back to News Center 88. I am Bradley Wells. It is now time for Metro Huntington weather forecast. Talk about a true April day across campus. Today was close to perfect. Under some big puffy clouds and an afternoon high reaching 68 degrees, it was a great day to get out and enjoy. We'll actually hold on to the nice weather for another day, so if you missed out today, there'll be one more tomorrow. As for tonight, we'll be continuing with the clear skies and a late southwest breeze making tonight perfect for stargazing for any shooting stars from the Lyrids meteor shower. Overnight lows will dip into the mid-40s. Tuesday will start off cool in the upper 40s, but with southwest winds and plenty of sunshine, we'll jump quickly into the lower 70s across campus. If you can finish up the, or if you can finish up the semester workload outside, take advantage as Tuesday will be our last day for a while. Tuesday evening, we'll see clouds begin to increase as, cold, as a cold front advances into our area. We'll see showers likely in the early morning hours overnight with lows staying relatively mild with the help of cloud cover at 50 degrees. Wednesday looks to be a total wash as, a, as the system overtakes our area. Wednesday will pick up, our winds will pick up from 10 to 15 miles per hour with some gusts possible as high as 20 miles per hour. Rainfall amounts won't be impressive enough for flooding concerns, just enough to make a day an icky one. Afternoon high of just 49. Once the cold front makes its way through our area, cold air returns for Wednesday night. Showers will likely come to an end with the possibility of a passing flurry or two. Skies will begin to clear late Wednesday, allowing overnight temps to crash below the freezing mark. 
a freeze watch is likely to be issued as our growing season is well underway. The cold air will stay with us for the remainder of the last official week of classes before finals. And speaking of finals, for today's weather and history, we look back at the final point between two world superpowers way back in 1775. With pre-dawn skies clear and chilly temps to start in Lexington and Concord, Massachusetts, the British Empire found itself at war with the American colonies in the first battle of the Revolutionary War. While the morning started with a typical April chill, the afternoon temps rose to the mid-60s. The resulting war between the U.S. colonies and the British Empire would drag on for seven years, but on this day in 1775, weather-wise, it, was, it started as a calm and other, any, as in any other spring day. Currently outside the WMEL studios, it is a very nice, mostly sunny, 68 degrees. That is your Metro Huntington weather forecast for the News Center 8018. I am Bradley Wells. Thanks, Bradley. Now, Andrew Rogers joins us with the FM88 Sports Report. Thanks, guys. It was yet another busy weekend in Marshall Athletics. Let's begin with yesterday's Conference USA Men's Soccer Championship game between Marshall and Charlotte. It was scoreless at the half, but in the 64th minute, junior defender Jan Eric Leinhaus scored on a penalty kick to put Marshall up 1 0. But the herd wasn't done yet. Midfielder Pedro Dolabella scored his first goal of the year in the 69th minute to give Marshall the comfortable 2-0 lead. The herd defense would hold Charlotte scoreless to win the Conference USA Championship 2-0 and win for the second consecutive year. Marshall men's soccer earns the automatic bid into the NCAA tournament and will face off against Fordham in the second round of the 36-team NCAA tournament May 2nd at 1 p.m. The Marshall men's golf team has completed the first two rounds of the Wright State Invitational on Sunday at the Heatherwood Golf Club. The Thundering Herd is in eighth place. Redshirt senior Matt Hoffman dropped his score by four strokes in the second round and jumped up 24 places on the leaderboard. Hoffman leads the Herd and is tied for 22nd. Redshirt senior Will Straub and senior Noah Mullins are both in the top 30. Senior Brad Plasiak improved his score by six shots and moved up 12 places on the leaderboard. The Marshall women's golf team returns to the course today through the next two days at the Conference USA Championships. The tournament is taking place at the Lake Jovita Golf and Country Club. The course is a par 72 with total yardage of over 6,000 yards. Marshall was last in action at the Chattanooga Classic back on March 29th and 30th. The herd finished 12th, and Marshall has played in four events this spring with a top finish of 8th at the UAB Spring Invite. Competing for the herd at the championships will be senior Kerry Parks and Stormy Randazzo, juniors Jackie Schmidt and Tori Kalaski, and sophomore McKenna Roush. Marshall Baseball defeated FIU by a final score of 10-8 Sunday afternoon at the Kennedy Center. The win for the Thundering Herd secured a 2-2 series split with the Panthers. Outfielder Cyrus Grimes led Marshall in the contest with four runs batted in. Graduate student pitcher Josh Zabowski got the win for the Herd. Marshall travels to Ruston, Louisiana, to take on the Louisiana Tech Bulldogs next weekend for a four-game series. Marshall is now 6-22 and 2-14 and and in Conference USA play this season. The Marshall softball team won the series finale 6-5 over the Florida Atlantic Owls on Sunday at Dodd-Hicks Field. Seniors Allie Harrell and Sage Pye both hit home runs for the Herd. Marshall held a 6-1 advantage heading into the 7th, FAU threatened scoring four runs in the seventh to make things interesting, but the Herd prevailed. Kaylee Joyce got the win in the circle for the Herd, improving her record to 3-1, while Laney Jones got her second save of the year. 
The Thundering Herd improved to 15-8 overall and 4-4 four four in Conference USA. The Owls dropped to 9-26 overall and 4-8 and in conference play. Marshall gets back out on the road in conference play April 23rd through the 25th at FIU. And finally, this past weekend on Saturday, Marshall football played its spring game in front of over 5,500 fans at Jones C. Edwards Stadium. Quarterback Grant Wells found wide receiver Shadid Ahmed for a pair of touchdowns to power the Marshall Green team over the black team by the score of 34-10 in this year's spring game. The game was played with a running clock of over four 12-minute quarters with the final two minutes of the second and fourth quarters time normally. Shadid Ahmed finished with five catches for 124 yards and two scores. Grant Wells rebounded from a 3-4-13 first-half start to finish 14 of 29 and 270 yards passing with two touchdowns and no picks. The most active player on the defensive side of the ball was Emmanuel Bush, who had six tackles, including three of them for a loss and two and a half sacks. Abraham Boplan, Elijah Alston, and Jamari Edwards also got into the sack category as well. In other sports news, Chet Holmgren, the number one ranked senior in the country and the projected number one pick in the 2022 NBA draft, committed to Gonzaga earlier today. Holmgren had a dominant senior year for Minnehaha this past season, averaging over 20 points per game, 12 rebounds, 4.5 assists, and 4 blocks, while shooting 80% from the field. Holmgren is the second five-star recruit to join Gonzaga's class in the past few weeks, following number three-ranked point guard Hunter Salas, who committed in late March. That does it for the FM88 Sports Report. For the FM88 Sports Team, I'm Andrew Rogers. Thanks, Andrew. And that does it for this edition of News Center 88. Be sure to tune in tomorrow at 5 for the most complete news from the Marshall University and from the Tri-State area. And remember to check us out on the World Wide Web at marshall.edu slash WMUL. For David Adkins, Bradley Wells, Andrew Rogers, Jonathan Edwards, and your entire New Center 88 team, I'm Bella Robinson. And your thought of the day is, quote, experience is simply the name we give our mistakes, end quote, Oscar Wilde.